0: speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart i hear your words the tender truth welcome everybody it's time for the Hollywood Godfather podcast and this is the favorite part of the show that pat and i love the mailbags hearing from you people and letting us know what you want to hear what you want to see is a highlight in all life. Hi, Pat. How you doing? Hi, Jenny. How you doing?
1: Very good. A little little chilly, but, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's dropped over here, too. <laughs> I, I, I hate winter. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was in Korea uh, when I was in the Army. I hated it so much. I mean, it's like 30 below zero in the winter. It's nothing to fool around with. I actually volunteered to go to Vietnam to get out of the cold. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's how much and, that's and how they, much
0: you hate winter I, I, that's a that's a lot of hate
1: oh a lot of hate and uh and and they actually sent me of course as soon as i got there so what the hell did i do But too late then you know yep all right well all it's right. the
0: mailbag
1: the mailbag okay we've got uh the first one is from nathan dear Gianni and pat your last episode about uh, tony frederiki had me shed a tear especially toward the end of that episode
0: Oh, wow.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, it was a heartfelt show. Uh, Anyway, I'm going through a struggle, and your podcast is something enjoyable for the week. Please keep it up. Uh, He's from Australia, by the way. P.S. Pat, uh, if your experiences were were to be made into a film, which actor would you like to uh, have played you? By the way, can't wait for the book. To to tell you the truth, I had had thought about this because I was very close a couple of times with... uh, a few of my exploits anyway i picked uh when my when this agent asked me i said see if you can get ray liota of course mm-hmm. that's a moot point now yeah. but this was a, this was around the time you know he was just coming up and i'd seen him in a couple of things i said boy this guy this guy's gonna be something one day you know this was in the 80s you know
0: i could see him playing you now that you say it i, I yeah, got to know, yeah. i got to know him well
1: oh you uh you've uh,
0: met the guy you know Oh my God! Yeah, I have pictures of him. He, he used to meet me every once in a while because he always knew I hung out at that, the Nellos, and he used to say, "I'm not in your league." The only time I could have lunches here when you're here, and I you pay for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, that's I would think uh, definitely rip, uh, Liotta. But anyway, uh, apparently you and I uh, hit uh, hit a, cu- a couple of hot strings out there with the uh, with the episode we did last week on Tony.
0: Oh, that's great, though. That's, I mean, he deserves it. What a guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah he does. I've been getting so uh, many response myself, just personally.
1: And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the book uh, later after the emails. But for those of you who, uh, who, who liked that episode, uh, Tony uh, is actually going to be a character in the book. Uh, and he, he plays a very prominent role. Uh, and once again, this is fiction, but we got permission to use his name.
0: Yeah, we're going to memorialize him because that's where he belongs. He needs yeah. to stay in our lives.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we dedicated, especially the book mine. Him. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I I knew him casually, but Gianni knew him very well. Uh, we actually dedicated the book to him, uh, and uh, that's that's the least we can do. He's quite, okay. a guy. quite a guy. All right, moving along. Okay, now this is this is really interesting. You know, uh, we also talked about. Uh, the client that I lost last week, uh, I, I can update everybody on that after I read this uh, email. But, I mean, there was big news around here. If you live in, uh, in New York and uh, somebody gets shot, you know, it's uh, one of the stories in the, in the news feed. It's an I'll hour
0: pay, occurrence.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and on page 36 in the post, you know. But yeah. here, here, here is something big. Anyway, there was uh, photographers, there was news, TV, everybody all over the place. So this guy, his name is Jesse, uh, and I don't recognize the last name. And once again, I say that because this is small town America. Everybody knows everybody. But this guy, unless I saw him, maybe in person. Uh, Pat, I was the guy interviewed on Channel 4 News outside of Lowe's after the shooting. Uh, my client was shot coming out of a Japanese restaurant. It was located right next to Lowe's. It's a, a big outdoor store. Uh, huge fan of you guys. I've listened to every podcast you guys have. Uh, oh, that's so, great. Yeah, so consumed with all uh, all you guys have to offer. Yeah, just to update everybody on that, an arrest was made, I think I mentioned that last week, almost immediately, within 24 hours. Uh, oddly enough, uh, they're keeping this case on the down low, and it's odd here because it's it's really big news when somebody gets killed, and when somebody gets killed in this particular manner, everybody wants to know what went on. But uh, they're keeping a tight lid on this. Uh, the guy is, was arraigned. You have to be arraigned within 72 hours after arrests, not only here, but everywhere. And then the next uh, time you're in court is for a hearing. And this hearing uh, generally sets a court date uh, for a trial. And by the way, I don't, uh, not knowing that much about this case, I'm just speculating now that there's not going to be a trial. This guy's going to cop out. Uh, Pennsylvania is a death penalty state. And I don't think uh, he wants that. This guy's a businessman. And they just did the wrong thing big time. Uh, but uh, they also discuss uh, anything that has to do with bail. And this is a capital case, so he's, he's not going to be given bail. I think his, his attorney is going to bring it up. Uh, and uh, this is when the defense, if they have any motions, they bring it up, and things like that. So that's the purpose of the hearing. So that's going to be this coming week, and perhaps they'll have a little more information on this case. Uh, my client, uh, Boyke, uh, was uh, sent home. To Indonesia where they had a funeral and he's, he's buried, he's gone. And it's very sad, but such is life and death.
0: It's funny. I you know, I didn't pick up that he was from Indonesia. I had a partner and still have actually yeah. that the Bakwe brothers, oh, I remember I was, Abujal all those guys,
1: man. Yeah. We, they're in our first book. These people, this particular guy was the hardest working person I ever met in my life. I mean, it never stopped working. He came here with basically zero. He was a commercial pilot in Indonesia. Oh, wow. And he, uh, yeah, very educated, uh, very, very bright guy. He came here specifically to go into uh, uh, being a commercial pilot in a major airline. Uh, and he, you know, come to the United States, which is always a plus, plus would be making a lot of money. Unfortunately, he arrived here a couple of days before the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. When oh. they weren't really hiring any Middle Eastern pilots, as you can well imagine.
0: Hello. I wonder why.
1: <laughs> well, in a way, of course, it didn't wind up that way. But at the beginning, it was the best thing that ever happened to him because he used his uh, ingenuity. But, you know, keep in mind, he didn't know anybody here. He, him and his family just started here fresh. He became a wealthy guy to various businesses. And, you know, uh, I, what's something I found with, uh, with immigrants coming to this country, they're, they're hard workers for the most part. And uh, oh,
0: they are. I mean, that's it's wild that you say that, because, you know, and, you know, so many of them that came and made names. We're,
1: we're always taught in this country, uh, you can be anything you want to be. You live in the United States, live the American dream. It's it's here for, for you if you work hard. Then I think when this country was first being formed, uh, you know, 200 years ago or 300 years ago now, and up until probably before the First World War, the Industrial Revolution, people realized that, understood it. And paid attention to it and our ancestors our predecessors i know from my side of the family uh they, these people killed themselves to make money they worked hard and if uh they weren't as successful as this particular person or some, perhaps some others they worked a lot of jobs to be that way now things have changed a bit and i uh, use that ex- i use the example of twitter <laughs> when Hello. uh when elon musk I, I couldn't believe this i just thought it odd he told everybody they're going to have to work extremely hard for him. People quit in droves. I mean, thousands of people left Twitter because they were told they would have to work hard.
0: Well, that's the whole, I mean, it's funny you should say that because, you know, even me with all my kids and everything else, this new generation, they just think they're privileged, man. And and the Biden administration didn't help by giving all these stimulus
1: checks. (laughs) Yeah, throwing all the money around. Uh, Yeah, you know. You Know we, we don't want to slam any particular generation. I mean, there's industrious people in, in, in every generation, but uh, we, we as time goes on in this country, you know, technology changes, we get softer, you know, uh, and uh, to, to uh, exert ourselves. And you know, I'd be unfortunate, my kids worked, I got a kid in medical school, and uh, another one worked really hard for what he is, he's in private business, but we. we how to push them to do it. Uh, it's just, that's, things are change, changing. And I think our, uh, our reputation on the world stage has diminished a bit than it was, say, be, before uh, World War II or even after World War II. But these people actually quit because they were told they had to work hard. You know, so people say, well, you know, they, they didn't agree with this politics. Well, they could have quit a couple of weeks ago if that was the case. Once yeah. they heard hard work, God, uh, so, uh, this guy, my, my, my late client was a hard worker and it, obviously he didn't get what he deserved, Well, nobody gets what they deserve. Uh, no one deserves to die. I meant to say, but anyway, so that's the update on that. And I'll be updating everybody as things move forward. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, uh Jesse, obviously I've seen you in the neighborhood and you've seen me, so I don't know what you look like, but uh, the next time you see me on the street, stop and introduce yourself. You know. Now, if this would yeah. have happened, yeah, think about this. If this would have happened in New York, and some stranger just comes up to me on the street and starts talking to me, I'd be <laughs> thankful that I'm armed. You know. <laughs> but, but but here's a different story. You know. Everybody's very friendly. It's a very nice area. So anyway, uh, uh, Jesse, I don't want to mention your last name, but uh, uh, you know, if you see me, stop. Let's let's talk.
0: Please. All right. Put him on the show.
1: Put him on the show. Absolutely. What did you see? All right. Okay. This is uh, for Gianni from James. Gianni, when my brother started uh, a painting business in Pittsburgh a couple of decades ago, uh, established people gave him advice to watch The Godfather to see how business works.
0: Well, that's great. That's great, great knowledge. Once
1: once again, we get down to the work ethic. Uh, uh, Don Corleone was an immigrant. He came here. With a dollar eighty in his pocket, of course he went one way, and but he still had to work hard at what he did. You know, it's the the, the bottom line. But anyway, he was instructed to watch The Godfather, and uh, he goes on. Uh, since you are a successful uh, entrepreneur and were in the Godfather, in addition to many other movies and television, can you relate the lessons in running a business uh, with themes from the movie? By the way, twenty years later, my brother Bill still runs his business. And employs about two dozen people. That's great. See, it worked so, out. What have you learned? And did?
0: Well, <clears throat> what I've learned, I mean, it's funny that that you should say that because my grandfather reminded me so much of Don Corleone—the philosophy of life and family and dedication and and a work ethic. Go to work, and yeah. he did. I mean, Don Corleone had Jenko Olive Oil. He had a lot of leg- legitimate businesses. And again, d- during that time, it uh, you gain your respect and your loyalty by the way you treat people.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, did you, I realize you spent a lot of time in, uh, in a polio war as a child, but uh, this is something I never asked you. I, I realized when you got out, uh, 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 Frank Costello spotted you and then your, your career and everything else you did after that was launched. But did you do anything prior to that
0: work? No, I mean, the only thing I did was take advantage of, first of all, I had to reanalyze myself physically. And I did that at the age of 12 and took my deformity or my paralysis and started selling ballpoint pens. Why ballpoint? I, well, they just came out. So it was new. And my grandfather introduced me to Leo Rabinowitz. And me getting the job in Magnati's bakery, unbeknownst to me, was the greatest thing physically I could do because of the exercise and the coal ovens and the heat and no humidity and the flour in the air and just mixing 50 pound bags of flour by hand. I mean, if I said to you, I thought that out, I didn't. It was all accidental.
1: in, in reality, that uh, that uh, must have helped you get the Dexterity back.
0: Oh, it's yeah. Not... Oh, it did.
1: Yeah, those of you who don't know who Leo uh, Rabinowitz was, he was uh, the source, so to speak, for Gianni's Pens.
0: He, yeah, he owned a stationery store on Delancey Street, him and his brother. Yeah. And my grandfather went there numerous times for pencils and pads for the club, because they always played Ziggy and always... every Every Italian club had, you know, scratch pads for keeping score, of whether it's gin rummy hearts or whatever you were playing. <laughs> but it opened a whole new door to me, ballpoint pens, you know.
1: So he he gave you these pens on credit?
0: At, not at first. You know, I, I convinced them to give me 50 pens for overnight. And yeah. him knowing my grandfather, oh. I told him to keep my word and whatever I sold, I paid him. And I did that every day. I replenished my pens before I went out on the street.
1: Well, that, well, that's that's the uh, entrepreneurial streak. Even at twelve years old, think about it, man.
0: I know it was crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I kept going. I shined shoes. You know, I had a friend of mine. His name is uh, Ronnie Beck. He's listening to this. We uh, we built shoe shine a, a shoe shine box, and we went down to Laguardia Airport and waited oh, outside. They yeah, waited outside the arrivals terminals. And we, we, we would shine shoes. It didn't take two people to shine shoes. But, you know, we, we were kids, and we wanted to work at something, make some money. I forget right. what we were charging back then. It was a long time ago. And uh, 25 cents a shine. Probably something like that. But, you yeah. know, p- people coming out, they throw you a dollar. dollar was a big yeah, deal.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: In the 50s. But anyway, we did this for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to different schools, you drift apart. About five years ago, through Facebook, Ronnie Beck found me and uh he reintroduced himself i said I, can you believe this so the internet is good for certain things you know i mean uh yeah. I, i'd seen this i hadn't seen this guy since i've been like maybe 12 13. wow yeah i asked him if he was still shining shoes it sounded like a scene out of uh, out, out of goodfellas <laughs> get, your, get your shine box you now he says no i'm way beyond shiny shoes yeah he became very successful God boy, him,
0: nice though are you staying in touch with him
1: yeah, I mean, a, to Facebook. I think we talked once or twice. I, I had a big crush on his sister back then. But then again, you know, you're 12, 13 years old. Anything in a skirt, you have a crush on, you know, so. Hello. Yeah. Okay.
0: Especially if she, especially if she looked like a Ned Poncello in those days.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a crush on her. So I don't know one one kid that didn't. Hello. There was a television show on uh, Disney in the afternoon called Spin and Marty. And she was in it. And, uh, I mean, every every young male... Ran home no matter what they were doing to watch a Netflix cello. And you, you, you might ask why. Let's put it this way. She developed early. You know? Yeah. And but you know what's taught... so
0: funny? That, and we, I never spoke about this. She married a good friend of mine. Oh, Jack yeah. Chawaddy from the Chicago. Jack
1: right. Yeah.
0: And uh, he was a big TV agent. And then that, I mean, talk about blossoming early. Yeah. yeah she's young. She, blossomed, she blossomed pretty well, even. Yeah. And she,
1: she, she did a lot of. Uh, beach movies with the uh, Frankie oh, Avalon, yeah. Frankie they were good
0: Young, Beach Bango Bungo and all these
1: yeah, Muscle Beach. I mean, I think the list went on and on. I mean, you're watching yeah. them now; they're on AMC every now and then. Oh, That's so the lame. Years. so I decided I'm going to look at this, and I'm looking at it and say, what "The hell did I see in this?" You know, I know the, yeah. the bathing suits.
0: The scripts, was, the, the scripts <laughs> were very not you know not sophisticated yeah. at all,
1: <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, the bathing suits <laughs> on these girls were like suits of armor. I mean, you, oh, see, you saw nothing. But back then, it Hello. was girls in bathing suits, you know? But she, I mean, she got she a terrible death.
0: Oh, my God. For a she, long time, too. And I, I, to- I saw her a lot in the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, her, her brother, Joey, I got to know very well. He became an agent also because of a jack. But uh, seeing her in that wheelchair and... Yeah. So, def- I mean, she, I think she had MS, wasn't it?
1: She, yeah, it. she had MS, which you know, there's degrees of MS, and she had it really know. bad. Really bad. Well, I know right. people with, with MS. Uh, in fact, a woman that I work out with in the gym side so after 20 years. I mean, you can see she has it. She doesn't uh, walk with a steady gait, but she's had know, a 20 it 20 years. sister
0: has it? You got two.
1: Yeah, right. You told me that. When uh, Annette got it, I mean, she 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 got slammed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. What a shame. So she died young. Yeah. OK, moving on, I hope there's something more pleasant, because like I say, we don't uh, look at these emails before you do. OK. So, George. Uh, he's got a couple of show, show suggestions, suggestions, oh, good, good, good. Mentioned some names, but. uh Morris Levy, uh,
0: Morris Levy.
1: Wow, you know him from the from uh, uh, Roulette Records, of course. Hello, tell us about Morris because he brings him up in the first sentence. Well, Well, let let me let let, me read the okay. uh, uh, Tommy James, I guess that was Tommy James and the Shandells. That Tommy James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't mention the group. Okay, Tommy James, uh, a single with uh, uh, Morris Levy and Roulette Records. Has written a book, Me, the Mob, and Music. He includes yep. scams, stealing royalties, money laundering, oh, payoff, yeah. counterfeit records. Tommy James lives in New Jersey and maybe a good guest. Yeah, I'll say so. <laughs> let's see if I can reach out to him. Well,
0: we could be out. Yeah, let's try to get him on. No,
1: Thank you, George. But anyway, I'm not finished yet. Oh. Uh, he, he refers to other singers uh, Jimmy Rogers, with "The Kisses Are Sweeter Than Wine, uh, Honeycomb, It's Over. He also has uh, information. This is back to uh, Tommy James. He has information on the death of singer Bobby Fuller. I fought the law and the law won. If you remember that song, I do.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. About him and his gambling debts. In 1973, Rogers agreed, this is Jimmy Rogers, uh, agreed to accept a $200,000 settlement from the LAPD. Uh, the three policemen involved in the incident were suspended for two weeks uh, for leaving him in his car. Uh, many speculated. That the attack he was attacked in his car and left there. He neglects to put that in there. But anyway, uh many many speculated that the attack uh was organized as retaliation after he left the uh Roulette record label. You know anything about that?
0: Well, I I mean I mean we can really elaborate on this one. Yeah, I know all about that. Well, I was in the record business indirectly, and then uh I got involved with the record business because after um how can i clean this up the, 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 yeah i mean this is a tough one because with the payola during that time was coke and that's they gave every every dj vials of coke played his record promote it and i mean you it want, was a crazy crazy time man.
1: could you explain to the uninitiated what payola is
0: well to get your records played you had to take care of the DJs, especially the famous DJs. And we know we know most of them. And, you know, in, at that time, that's when the federal government st- stepped in and um, a couple of people did time. And uh, I got involved in a record label afterwards because a guy volunteered to do some time yeah. <laughs> for some people and they awarded him. But, um, you know, when, when you think of MCA, and uh, universal pictures that was all built on a record label. Nobody knows that. A major really? guy.
1: Yeah. So who was Morris Levy? He owned Roulette.
0: Yeah, Morris Levy owned Roulette in New York, very well connected. He had mob guys, he had they went to him and if you knew Morris, you were going to be a hit. But Ma- most people don't know which is, which could bring in Barbara Walters' father. <laughs> Oh, Lou Walters Lou Walters owned the jukebox business, which they found out, like even myself, they came to me because I, I made some 45s. <laughs> yeah. And they said, We can make you a million seller tonight. So, what are you talking about? Well, we own roulette. You know, we own uh, roulette. I mean, the wall, uh, wallet's a the jukebox. Mm-hmm. They buy your album, put it in, it's a million seller overnight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but well, they say, you know, you have to put this record in every jukebox in New York.
0: Hello, in the United States.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I can only relate to New York. but uh, Yeah, that's, yeah,
0: I, that's it. A- and who owned the coin vending mills in this? The mob. Yeah. They owned every candy machine, every jukebox, and every candy store in the world.
1: Well, uh, since, uh, you know, I'm going to look up... Uh, yeah,
0: let's get him on. That could well, be good I tell
1: you know, He doesn't say when this book was published, but if this is a fairly new book... I'm sure this guy is going to want any kind of publicity he can get. Uh, yeah, I was a Tommy James fan when I was a teenager. I mean, he, he did some good stuff. I
0: I mean, I was I was the kid. This is crazy even to think about. I bought my first car before I could drive. Just bought it. All cash. I paid $13,000 for a 1961 Cadillac Coupe DeVille. I bought it when I was like 16 and a half. All I did was sit in and listen to the radio. I had no plates on it. People didn't say anything about it at the time. And I left it in the neighborhood. But I mean, I was it was like my portable motel. I had velvet drapes on it. Anybody listening to this will know about it. They'll tell you about this car. I had wraparound drapes. The guy who was building all of the uh, hearses, for funeral parlor's, I had them do the drapes, so I could closed it. Because people walking by in the city streets, I had drapes, you couldn't look in.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you it, it's, if you ever had a movie, it would be easy. walk around the corner. Hello. Yeah. You know, the, it was
0: always been, you know,
1: that was it. One of the big DJs back then was Bruce Morrow. They called him Cousin Brucey. Oh, my God. He's still he's around. And uh, another guy named uh, Murray McKay, Murray Kaufman.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Murray the K got in some serious trouble with his payola stuff. And I think he he didn't get locked up, but uh, his career ended. But he was huge. But uh, Bruce Morrow, I thought, was old in the 60s. He's still around.
0: He's still, I'm going to tell you one thing. He's a nice guy. He hosts yet for for the St. Gennaro Feast. He has the second Saturday still at the Feast. Still at the Feast. How old
1: is this guy? Do you think?
0: Well, I think he's gotta be my age a Gotta be know, older. Yeah, 70, 80. He's up there.
1: Well into his eighties, I think. Yeah. But he still looks the same. He sounds the same.
0: Oh no. No, but that's a, a radio voice, you know.
1: Yeah, I'll say.
0: How <laughs> about Alan Freed? You forget that guy.
1: Alan Freed went to jail. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he started the whole payola mess.
0: Well, they all did basically. I don't. I don't know who you can say started it because you know F- South Philly, Chicago. They all got involved in it.
1: Got well, he was the first there. one that got. He was the first one that got nabbed. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, Alice Free was a big name, so anybody that went after him was headlines. Right. Right. But, uh, well, though, that was the sixties. You
0: know. Oh yeah, tell me.
1: 60s? Now the only people that are stealing are the people that own the record companies. They, they don't have to pay anybody off. They just withhold royalties. But that's oh a God, Tell me about it, that, yeah. That's a subject for another show. All right. Hi, Johnny and Patrick. I've listened to your podcast since the beginning, uh, and I, I I bought your book. I haven't uh, read it yet myself, but my wife did. And because I'm not too great a reader, well, that
0: could dangerous if your
1: wife read it. <laughs> yeah, don't sign anything, uh, Hector. All right. Anyway, uh, well, my question is for the both of you. Uh, can you guys speak on Hillary Clinton's family? I heard a while back that her father was connected to the Chicago outfit, just wondering if this was true or not. And a question for Gianni, have you ever thought about speaking at a high school? I would, uh, look, I would love for you to come to my kids' high school. My son junior is graduating and I think, uh, you speaking would be a great inspiration for kids on h- how you fought the diversity in your lifestyle and your life. And maybe you could come share that with kids. I
0: but would kids. love it. In fact, you and I are talking about doing that.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, to talking to kids. I mean, if we can do anything to steer them in the right direction, not the way we went, but Hello. in the right. Direction. But the, I mean, the, I was—I yeah, I I, would,
0: I, would love to. In fact, whoever that, who wrote this, please get in touch with us soon. Yeah, get in touch with
1: me. He's uh, got to be
0: graduating soon. <laughs> June's coming. Well,
1: um, well, we have some time because he's graduating in June anyway. It's it's uh it it's kind of a stretch, he means asking us, but uh love you guys. I will do it. God bless and keep up the good work. Okay, I'm gonna reach out to him. Of course I have his email address. You'll sure. be hearing from us, Hector.
0: That, that was something you and I want to do anyway. We should do yeah. it and film this yeah. one. Yeah,
1: you know, I I spoke uh when when uh Zach, my my youngest boy, was in elementary school. I spoke uh uh, at uh, an assembly, they wanted me to talk about Vietnam, and I was uh, introduced by by one of the students, and they were mispronouncing everything, and you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I had to be very careful about what I said. I stuck to the politics of it, things I don't want to scare anybody. But yeah, uh, uh, you know, they, they hang on your every they hang on your every word, you know, because you're like you're the guy in oh, the yeah. movies. Yeah. I'm the guy that was a uh, cop. They don't know any real. I can't say that because some local police officers might be listening but yeah. you know you, you you don't see you don't see cop shows about small-town police officers it's mm-hmm. always big cities SWAT teams and whatever so I always got a good reception I spoke at a couple of schools uh okay uh, this is from Don for Gianni dear Mr. Gianni Russo I was wondering if you sold photograph pictures of yourself uh from the movie Godfather thank you sir well, this is going to uh, go to what we're going to be doing with our books and such. But you talk about cameo and stuff that you do.
0: Oh yeah, I do. I, I did one last night. I I got what a compliment I got last night. Uh, let me think of your last name. Uh, uh, Wayne. Mm. Wayne and Diana asked me to do a cameo to invite their two friends to be the godmother and godfather to the unborn daughter. They gave me that privilege. People? I couldn't believe it. You know these people? No. they God <laughs> went on Cameo. No, they went on Cameo, which I did. I did in front of my portrait of the godfather that I at my house. Yeah. And I said, you know, I've been given the greatest privilege in the world. And, uh, you know, Wayne and Dian- Diana want you and Susan to be the godparents for their own oh, for their unborn child and you have wow. to realize this is an offer you can't refuse you know that was uh,
1: that was something like like a similar offer you got in in, in the godfather to be M- michael and connie's uh oh i know uh, michael.
0: no yeah. Michael got that uh, yeah.
1: uh rather uh uh yeah michael's son yeah, yeah like,
0: but the, the funniest thing about that as you know and, and anybody watched the storyline The only reason he said he would do it because he'd be on the altar while they were massacring everybody else. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, let's hope this time around as a godfather, you don't come to the same end as you did in the movie. Oh,
0: no, please, no. no. Oh, I'm not going to be the godfather. No, I'm just, I just, they asked me to make the, asked the people in this cameo. And and I had had to do it by seven o'clock last night. Because at 8 o'clock, they were playing the Cameo at this party, and these people didn't know they were going to be asked. Oh, and, then, uh, and then I sang the theme from The Godfather.
1: Okay, so just so uh, just so people know what, what, what Cameo is, why don't you tell everybody?
0: Well, Cameo is a website that I found out about, and it's been, I mean, very lucrative for me, where you go on to Cameo, and whatever you want me to sing, make announcements, they pay me and I do it, and you keep it on your phone for the rest of your life. It's,
1: but it, it, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's a great survey. very unique. That's the service. Oh my god! Um, so, and what about uh, what about autograph pictures? Do you sell those?
0: Oh yeah, I mean they, they could just tell us and we'll send it to them. Okay, and, an
1: and We'll be selling autograph copies of our new book also.
0: Yeah, you uh, just need about, to send us the uh, you know, self-addressed envelope to you with the postmark on it so yeah. we know where we're sending it, to include it to ours, and we'll send you autographed books.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, we're going to uh, tell you the logistics of that when the book comes out. We'll be talking about that after the emails. Anyway, time to sell some products.
0: All right, please. Don't go nowhere. We know where you live. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Today's show is being sponsored by Caudillone Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Caudillone Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, modern art, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. Cordeleonfineitalian.com That's Cordeleonfineitalian.com All right, we're back. Okay. I like that we're getting all this interaction with with our audience. Yeah, Uh,
1: well, you you know what it is? uh, And we've heard this before. We actually do it. <laughs> we tell somebody oh, yeah. something, we do it. Um, you have any questions, just ask them. You want something done? Just ask them. it's within our capability to do it. We'll do it. Anyway, this is from Antonio from the UK. Hello, Gianni and Patrick The show is great as always. I have two questions if you don't mind. Uh, I've been reading about the former mayor of New York, uh, mayor David Dinkins on a previous episode of yours, his name came up and Pat commented. he was one of the worst mayor New York mayors ever, uh, and unless I'm mistaken, Gianni uh, seemed very surprised to hear this comment. Could you both elaborate on uh, on how you regard him? Second question: Do you think the mob would be, uh, do? You think the mob would have been as powerful in the United States as they became if prohibition had never happened? Well, let's get no. it. Let's, let's get to Dinkins first. Okay. Uh, he, D- Dinkins,
0: Dinkins, I was very popular with, and he with me. And as you know, I, I wasn't. My family and all that wasn't my priority but uh just to stretch my friendship with him i had him change two streets in new on staten island one named after my father (laughs) which you
1: know
0: i just just, you know did it just to get him crazy (laughs) and then my grandfather on the other side of the coin who was so respectful I mean, he made a novena to my grandmother who was N- from Naples and her patron saint was um, a lady of The feast day is July 16th. And why I find this so remarkable, I went to Mayor Dinkins. He sanctioned an, a- an acre of property on Amity Place on Staten Island as a national park you go on it right now and why that may not mean anything to anybody else but me and my family once you're a national park you become a property of the of the united states it's a national park so we don't pay taxes anymore they keep the upkeep on it and and my grandfather built this shrine you will not believe pat and little little pebbles you could walk into it. There's three chapels.
1: Wow, I never know that.
0: I know. And he started I building it. you gotta go on and see it. I mean, it's so it's it's remarkable. Gee, and he did this that all his sons would return from the war. And as the last kid walked in the door, all returned alive, no wounds, no nobody was battered. He put the crucifix up on this thing. You got to see this building. I mean, it's, 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 you can go on, you know, go on Amity Place and Staten Island, Lady of Montcalm. It's it's there. But he built it on his own, no money, all all the different people would make novenas and do their prayers. And people would do the stations of the cross. They would do the rosary on their knees. That's the penance they would create. But, I mean, we should do a show on that. You won't believe it. I mean, when you see it, it's Yeah, remarkable. I
1: mean, I've, I've known you quite a few years now. It's the first time hearing of this. But, hey, that's why we have a podcast.
0: The only reason because Mayor Dinkins. He well, made at it a the National Park.
1: <laughs> now, my view of him is coming from that of a police officer. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying he didn't like cops. but He was certainly not treated well uh, during the course of his uh, administration's uh we, we we couldn't get a contract. We were without a contract for a long time. The crime rate in, in the city, he was the first mayor. The city was always a nice place to visit, nice place to live. Whether it was bad timing or his administration, uh the crime rate went way up when he became mayor uh for, for his two terms. I wasn't a great fan because of that. I didn't know personally what Gianni did. as far as prohibition goes, uh would we think that the would the had been as powerful in the United States uh if prohibition didn't exist. Prohibition without prohibition, uh put it, it this way. Prohibition the mob. <laughs> was the start of the mob. They fueled the mob for decades come. They made billions off of Prohibition. Without it, I'm not saying the mafia wouldn't have existed, but it would have been a much uh, slower growth than uh, than it saw because they they ran literally everything in this country during prohibition and until the nineteen eighties, I would say, and prohibition ended in nineteen thirty. Or 31. So, well, yeah, you
0: probably, know, I mean, you you know, just through Frank Costello, my relationship, and him and Joe Kennedy, they amassed 30 million each in the 30s.
1: That's and this all was, money. This was 1930s money, you know, yeah, be five times that now. Yep, uh, okay, let's see. Uh, okay. Got a question from uh, from Howard? It's it's a two part
0: question. Is it Howard Stern? <laughs> yeah, where'd he go, our friend Howard? Where'd he go? Howard, got, if you're listening, you should I, be tuning in. This is what your show used to
1: be. Yeah, I understand he's got a radio show now. We'll, we'll talk about that one day. <laughs> All right, two questions. Do you know who the oldest and the youngest guys were to get made, and how old they were?
0: The youngest guy I know personally, and got to know many, many years later, and so has the world, the story goes, and I got it from the, the source, right, out of Sicily, Carlo Gambino came to America, made at 17, as a made man. Okay. He That's was the youngest one I know.
1: Okay. He was one year late. Uh, in 1930, a guy by the name of Harry Riccobeni, 16. He was well, in this country, though. He was made in this country. Wow. Now, now, I'm thinking, I can just picture this. Kids in high school has to leave after recess, after after milking cookies to go get <laughs> made. I mean, 16 years old. <laughs> well,
0: what, uh, where, what town was it? What state? Let's put it that
1: it, way. It, it was uh, uh, Chicago. Uh, oh, wow. But that, you know, that was the mob when they were first coming into power and getting organized. So uh,
0: what do they do at 16? That's interesting. Rob somebody's uh, but, book, money?
1: <laughs> And But you know, that was the old mob that was trying to get people. And maybe they were taking people that young. They didn't know anything about opening books, closing books. They they, they wanted uh, power. Power comes with, with a lot of numbers. Anyway, the current head of the Genovese family is Bonnie. Uh, Belomono, no, Belomo, he was made in 1977. He was 20. Wow, okay, made into the Genovese family.
0: I don't even know him, thank god.
1: Yeah, the oldest is also the Genovese family. Uh, made 1976, he was 70 when he was made.
0: And what's his name,
1: Anthony Palum- uh, Arthur Palumbo, Arthur Palumbo? I don't know. I didn't anything. know either of the two names. One of the guys the head of the Genovese family. Never heard of him, which is the way it's supposed to be.
0: Well, yeah, I know. But the thing, with, as you know, with uh my uh, the guy we just talked about recently, uh, my close friend and, and your acquaintance, Tony Federici, was with the Genovese family. Yeah. Which I always like reading his thing. It said, uh, underboss the of Genovese family and philanthropist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Amazing
0: he was, man.
1: Uh, Okay, this is an interesting one from Sharon. I just began watching your YouTube channel after listening to the podcast since it started. After listening to all your stories about the past and doing the math, you guys look a lot younger than I suspect you are. What's your secret? I'll let you go first. Being happy.
0: Being happy. happy. No stress.
1: (laughs) No stress, yeah. Right, yeah. No, any, any, anything that, that you've done in life, or is it just good genes and you picked your parents very carefully? Well,
0: what, uh, what, what I, I, I have not changed my pattern. This is going to sound very bizarre to all our listeners. I have not changed my pattern of sleep since I left Bellevue. I remember Dr. Blomquist and doc, you know, m- most of the doctors, they told me, stay in bed, rest, that's when you heal. I never sleep less than nine to 10 hours every day in my life, even if it's broken up. And I think that has a lot to do with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. You are a unique individual because the older you get, I mean, uh, uh, sleep, uh, the older you get, the the harder it is to stay asleep. But for me, uh, all my relatives, uh, there was, uh, my father had like 10 brothers and sisters and Nobody, except for one guy, nobody survived past 60. And they wow. all had they all had diabetes, and they all had heart disease.
0: Well, so uh, you watch your
1: diet. My, my twin sister had uh, had diabetes, and they all had diabetes. So when he, he, my father died when I was 14, I said, this ain't going to happen to me. And I started doing a lot of reading, and I read a book by an actress. Her name was Gloria Swanson. Do you remember her? her well. yeah. Okay, she, she lived to be like 170, and this woman was a shriveled old. I mean, but she lived a long time and she wrote a book called Sugar Blues. This was in the 50s. That's wild. Uh, um, maybe the early 60s because my father died in 1960.
0: So why you, why you have that thought? Do you know who she was kept by? Who? Joe Kennedy. Who wasn't? Yeah. Yeah. But he bought her an apartment that I'm involved in. I'll yeah. give you the address, actually, 250 65th Street. <laughs>
1: Well, she wrote a book that is still in print called Sugar Blues, and she was the first one, not a doctor, not a scientist. She was the first one to indicate how evil sugar is. And I'm re- I'm reading this as a, as like a teenager, a young teenager. And I said, that's it. I'm done. So it, it, if I look uh, younger than my age, whatever it's, I attributed I never drank a soda in my life. I don't
0: eat. I I never knew this about you, and we have the same thing. I never. My grandmother used to make Easter baskets for all the kids, and my sisters would get mad at me. I even took the cellophane off of the candy; would get white and green molded. I wouldn't eat it, and everybody. Well, I don't know what
1: I. I I don't know what I did before I was fourteen. I don't remember, but once I read that book, that was it. So no sugar. I, I I never had a soda. Never had anything from mcdonald's burger king nothing never no. uh never smoked a cigarette never even held one I and mean, i can tell you stuff you people look at me like i'm crazy but right. uh i, I wasn't going to drop dead before i was 60. i was that i was didn't my know time. we had
0: i didn't know we had so much in common like that yeah
1: well i mean hey, it's a good thing we have a podcast so we'd never learn it
0: yeah <laughs> you we know? never know who you, but, we are
1: <laughs> you know I, i'm 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 a great advocate of you, you all what you eat, and I'm um, very careful. It, th- that said, I do have my weaknesses. I, I, I can't walk by a pizza that I don't like. I mean, I like pizza. Well, but That's, that's
0: good, good for very, you. There's no sugar. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, that, but still, it's 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 uh, it's dough and it's carbs, which turns into sugar. But I'm extremely careful. No, but camp-
0: the bottom line, yeah,
1: everything in moderation,
0: you know, that's yeah, how but, I
1: uh, Booze, everything. You just don't you abuse know. yourself. And, and you'll, you'll you live to be old unless you get hit by a bus. So be careful crossing the street.
0: Uh, look at me. I've been shot, stabbed, and throat cutting them slowly. There
1: <laughs> so you go. But hey, the day isn't over, man. You never know. <laughs> be careful. All right. Uh, okay. Here's one from uh, Eddie Fijiani. And I guess me, too, looking at the question. You know more about this than I do. All right. I'm a longtime listener. and look forward to your new book. You mentioned the title as The Sixth Family. Does this mean a mafia family? Without telling the plot, how realistic would it be to actually start a sixth family in New York?
0: Well, read our book; you're going to find out.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you know, you're sure. What's this guy's name? Okay, Eddie. You've heard that anything is possible. Anything is possible when you're dealing with an organization that thrives and exists on fear and uh, and keeping order by violence. Anything is possible. So. We're not going to give anything away about this book. We're going to talk talk about it for a little while after this. But uh, read the book and you might find out things that will answer your question. Yeah.
0: Your questions will be answered, actually.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Keeping in mind what we wrote, what we wrote is fiction, except for the parts of the truth. Okay, then. So that's it for the mail. And we just want to make an announcement that our book, and we've been talking about this thing forever. You're probably getting sick of listening to it. So now you get to read it. It should be dropping no later than Friday of this week. Uh we're doing this uh 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 episode mm. Thanksgiving week. So the day after Thanksgiving. Yep, the book should hit and you'll be able to
0: November twenty-fifth. Do you like two and five is seven?
1: It's yeah, twenty-fifth well, to twenty-sixth. One of one of those two dates. Anyway, it's going to be this week. Uh and as far as autographed copies, we'll be putting something up on a podcast website, uh, which you can go right to and get an autographed uh, copy of the book. And Gianni will be making uh, numerous appearances uh, everywhere. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot about this book. It's the first in the series. This is a fiction series. We're going to be doing at least one a year uh, based on Gianni's life. And uh, Gianni's got a lot of material, trust me. <laughs> so, you know, one thing what one thing writers always uh, are concerned about, particularly when you start writing books that sell, like, uh, or like our first one did, uh, how do you follow that up? You know, publishers want to see something that'll sell equally as good, if not better. We think we have it with this book. What would you say about that, Gianni?
0: Uh, all I could say, and not all, but the only reason we are we had the first book was you. The reason we have the second book is you. You yeah. are an amazing, amazing writer. I have the stories, but what you do to them and elaborate it and make it real and bring it to life, even right now, because I'm, 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 as you know, I'm preparing to do the audio book as I did the last time. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's, to me... I cry when like, there's certain parts of this because I rehearse to do this because how do I read a book and it goes out and sells thousands of copies so yeah. I have to make sure it's right but do you have a way of telling the story and I'll tell you right now the only reason w- I'm successful as a writer or even having a book out I have to attribute it 90% to you
1: forget about well, thank it thank you my I, friend I really appreciate yeah. that no, but we, I say we, it I, that's why we, we like hearing things like that, and of course, our uh, our listeners and subscribers, and everybody else that bought the first book, because we didn't have a podcast then. Yep. Uh, you you can you can judge for yourself. So that's about all what we have tonight.
0: That's a lot. But and again, a- I, while we're on that subject, we do really thank you, because there's, there's so many so many facets of our world today is because you are supporting it, and. From the book, the book turned to the podcast. The podcast, who knows where this is going to go. And uh, we're giving back to the community. You're going to find out more about that. I just uh, formed a corporation, which is the 501C corporation, because it's a nonprofit and we're going to be giving scholarships away to people in the needy, to children, children. So you're giving us tremendous vehicles by your support. We appreciate it, and I—I I, I know I speak for Pat when we come to that. We are really, really blessed to have you. So many years—three years now going. Four. Oh, well, oh, in oh, radio years, I'm, I'm talking about oh, this. radio years. That's, that's like dog radio years. years. I think it's ten. It's, <laughs> I do how, how they even run that, but it's good. I'm
1: trying to think of how old I would be in dog years. I'm a, hell of a lot younger. know. Anyway. Yeah. come on. All, all right. Thank, thank
0: you. you for- all God bless you yes tune, tune in much. next week
1: we'll see you next week
0: and have a happy Thanksgiving because oh, the yes, show is out tomorrow please. on Wednesday
1: that's a wrap Woo!
0: God bless if you're feeling sad and lonely there's a service I could render I'm the one who loves you only I could be so warm so tender call me don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Haran, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646 776 3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at HollywoodGodfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good
0: night afraid you can call me maybe it's late but just call me tell me and i'll be around i'll be around